0: Welcome to the Cloud Pod, where the forecast is always cloudy. We talk weekly about all things AWS, GCP, and Azure. We are your hosts: Justin, Jonathan, Ryan, and Matthew.
1: Episode two hundred twenty-five, recorded for August twenty-third, twenty twenty-three. Google next eve. Good evening, Jonathan and Ryan. How's it going? Hello. Good. It's uh It's it's the end of the week, so that's all that matters to me. <laughs> we made it. Indeed, I'm glad we have a uh, Google Next next week. So. Uh, I'll be wandering around. I know Ryan will be wandering around. If you see us, uh, you know I'll try to give him some stickers so he has some stickers for people if they want them. But uh, yeah, we're going to be there checking it out live. Uh, I didn't go to reInvent last year. You guys didn't go to reInvent last year. So this is my first cloud conference uh, since I think the first pandemic panda, uh, conference for Amazon. So Should be uh remind me exactly why I don't like going to conferences anymore. So I look forward <laughs> to that reminder. It's been, a little, been too long. <laughs> So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's have some follow-up uh, and then get into some Google news here. So uh, HashiCorp has responded to some of the concerns that we talked about last week uh, in their FAQ. Uh, and so one of the ones uh, they addressed was, can I host the HashiCorp product as a service internal to my organization? And they say, yes, the terms of the BSL allow for all non-production and production usage, except for providing a competitive offering to third parties that embed or host their software. So you're not making any money on it, you're good to go.
2: Okay. That's excellent. That in that's a big one right because I know a lot of people yeah. who who have have that built into their pipeline
0: that one
1: would have impacted us in our day jobs
2: yeah <laughs>
0: yeah I mean if they said no to that though I mean that, that would have been uh very strange I, I mean would
1: would have been damning yeah yeah it would have been it would have been a really bad move on their part uh I, although I would have sort of enjoyed the hashicorp people coming in being like hey you need to buy terraform enterprise I'm like yeah no I, don't, I got my own thing like oh you're against our license yeah <laughs> great thanks yeah appreciate that uh, what is a competitive offering To under the HashiCorp BSL license? They uh, clarified that, which is a competitive offering is a product that is sold to third parties, including through paid support arrangements. Significantly overlaps the capabilities of HashiCorp commercial product. For example, this definition would include hosting or embedding Terraform as part of a solution that is sold competitively against our commercial version of Terraform. And by contrast, products that are not sold or supported on a paid basis are always allowed under the HashiCorp BSL license because they are not considered competitive. Now, uh, that then you say to yourself, well, what does that mean by embedded? And they clarify that embedded also means packaging the competitive product where the HashiCorp product must be accessed or downloaded for the competitive product to operate and includes a source code, object code, including executable binaries mean HashiCorp product. And then they said, well, what if you make something competitive to me in the future? And this is where this one was a little gray for me. It says, if HashiCorp creates an offering in the future that is competitive with a product you're already offering in production, your continued use of the hosted or embedded HashiCorp product will not be considered a violation of the HashiCorp BSL license. Which doesn't really make sense to me. I'm like, well, but if you add the feature to Terraform and it's now competitive, like, is that on the version that you drop the new feature or is that forever? Like, it's a little gray there. So that one's a little strange.
2: I think the, you know, that I think this is the right response, right? And I know that. I I'm probably in the minority of being sort of appeased by this, uh, in the community. Cause I think that the, the torches and pitchforks will not go away, but, uh, you know, like what this does is allow if there's any kind of gray area in the future, it allows for litigation. And I think that that's sort of an important, they're putting their stance out there. This will be referenced if it ever comes to it, comes to it, um, as public facing statements. Um, and it's, you know, they're not trying to blow up the community. They're not trying to make sure that no one uses it. What they're trying to do is make sure that they can still make money, which I think is good. Right? I do want HashiCorp to stay around. I want them to be profitable. I want them to continue to deliver product.
1: So you know, I kind of had the question about can, why can't I... Why, you know, just like you start charging for APIs for a free API to a charging API for a partner who's making competitive Reddit clients, although they didn't do that properly. But like, why, why can't you at least offer that to your part, you know, to these companies like End Zero and and these people who are selling a commercial offering on top of Terraform? Why can't you sell a partner license to them, or why is that part of this equation? Is it truly that they feel threatened by those companies? Because I mean, Terraform Enterprise is garbage, <laughs> and some of those products are better in their own unique ways, but uh, it does seem a little strange to me that they have you know, drawn this line of sand versus trying to partner with the community, which might have been a better approach.
0: Yeah. Maybe I'll start an organization that offers a free Terraform enterprise-like service and just accepts donations to keep the site running. So I'm not technically selling the product or service. I'm just uh, just accepting donations.
1: I will allow the lawyers to
2: comment on your idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's that been- would work just fine until it actually succeeded and then it wouldn't. <laughs> then you'd become a target. <laughs>
1: The lumpiness of the donations may also be problematic for your cash flow, but you know that's that's a whole different problem.
0: <laughs> it's it's a bit weird talking about the the overlap between so between the features that Terraform Enterprise provides and whatever you may build, because you know, the biggest feature that Terraform Enterprise has is that it runs Terraform, like and that's that's already free. That's already open source. So I mean, what, what's their value add on top of that? They they manage users and workspaces, uh, state files. I
2: mean, it's pretty typical for an enterprise offering to be primarily focused on RBAC, right? Like, and that's, there's a reason for that. And that's because that the market dictates that, right? Bigger companies with with money and resources want that. So
1: but I, you get, don't you get the, isn't that how you get the paid competitive to OPA, which I'm getting the name of at this moment? Is it Sentinel? Sentinel, oh, yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, you get that with Terraform Enterprise.
2: Who doesn't love that? Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, there's, there's, I don't like the price tag on Terraform Enterprise, but I don't think it's a garbage product. Like the the managing of the state is is better than managing the state outside. Um, you know, even you can do pretty close. It's it, Like, again, it's not enough value proposition for me to pay for it, but it is better. Um, Sentinel, not so much. Uh, you know, but they're also allowing more hooks to be able to run your own uh, open policy agent and stuff. You don't have to use Sentinel, which is that was the big thing that I hated forever.
1: Yeah, you're gonna use OPA.
2: And RBAC. RBAC is, you know, RBAC and the 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 integration between workspaces, the the ability to sort of export um references between workspaces and that, you know, there there's definitely some advantage there. It's just not enough for how much they charge.
0: Yeah. I, I think the future is gonna be within 12 months that the open Terraform Foundation or whatever they whatever they're gonna call themselves will or will be providing a Terraform Enterprise like uh layer to manage terraform anyway Mm -hmm. just as happened with uh open search so
2: yeah no yeah (laughs) this appeals this this appeals to me there there but i don't think it will to them the masses i think that you know people are still this is going to be a shot across the bow it's going to cause a whole bunch of fear and so people are going to do take action to make themselves feel more secure with their offering and so that and that means working it I and mean, we'll see if that happens. The Interesting. I
1: was, you know, sort of thinking about it. It's kind of like the best of both worlds for Hashicorp in some ways, because if you, if they fork OpenTF and they say, look, that's the new thing, and they're doing development stuff, like there's nothing that prevents Hashicorp from also taking it from OpenTF and putting it into commercial. <laughs> so they still get the benefit. Like it's almost the best thing for them to have happen is for it to support the hard fork, because then they, someone else is going to be developing potential features they could steal and then you know slightly rewrite and put under the BSL. So allegedly they'd have to give accreditation but how, how reliable is that that promise to do those things i
2: don't know i don't know why i'm so skeptical of open source like i just haven't seen major features being supported or being produced by communities right there's usually a champion of an open source product you know that's a company that's backed that's largely responsible for for new functionality and so it is sort of this thing. Like I like the open source. I love the fact that you can drive, you know, community-driven improvements. But you don't really see it being features or something that's transformative. It's usually smaller, smaller things, which is great.
1: I mean, I, looking at the open search um, versions, you know, they're they're doing some cool stuff. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if you call it to be incremental or not, but you know, they, they created making search pipelines and the neural search plugin. GA, which is, you know, a nice thing. And the new ML model across act control integration with external ML tools. You know, if you can do that, there's cross-cluster squaring now, which was uh, something you didn't really have in, in native open search Sorry, Elasticsearch. Uh, you know, searchable snapshots and segment replication is now available in open search. Again, I mean, open search is not really a sexy product. Uh, so these are kind of minor in the scheme of them, but they are new features and functionalities
0: uh, to them. But not driven by individuals, though. My but it's like AWS.
2: It's still driven yeah. by AWS, yeah. Yeah, like you know, like it's you you know my feelings about you know Zookeeper and Hadoop and two you know like those are all open source, but those were largely majorly contributed by Yahoo, you know, and in the beginning until they were spun off into their own things, um, it that seems to be the pattern that works. I think it's good, but I think it's it's very I think it's very rare for true truly open source. Changes to come, or truly feature tra- transformative features to come from just the blanket community.
1: Well, I, I, I think you're right, and unless you're talking about Linus Tarvolds. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's kind of a different, unique animal. But you know, like the, a lot of those, you know, maintainers for they don't get paid, so you know, it's it's going to be hard for them to commit you know hundreds of hours of development time to build a new major feature into an open source project with no financial reward for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why you do typically have to have these big companies sponsoring these projects so they can put resources behind it or yeah. commitments to people. And even we were reading the OpenTF, uh, you know, GitHub page where you can go sign the, the open letter to to, uh, to HashiCorp. You know, people are, you know, there are several companies that were like, we're committing to you know, paying for four full-time developers for three mm-hmm. years, you know, as part of their commitment. Um, so you know, again, it's just one of those. Yeah, it, it does sell these companies, but they typically have to have a benefit that supports their need and you know if you're not publicly traded trying to desperately chase growth in the market you know a more privately held company can be successful with a truly open source product as long as you're okay not it's not going to be a major billion dollar company it's going to be a nice you know sustainable company that probably pays its bills and isn't huge and doesn't have a massive staff of people and you know that's anti capitalism so why would we want that? <laughs> that's just the reality of it. So Hashicorp has to get those growth. They had to get that profits. So they got to change the licensing model to do that because otherwise, those companies are eating at their heels, and that's that's a degradation to growth.
2: Yeah, and conversely, OpenTF will will only succeed if there's enough of that sort of corporate sponsorship where people are willing mm-hmm. to invest in it. You know, and and hopefully they will. You know, I think competition's great. I think it'll It'll derive a better product in the end. Agreed.
1: All right, let's move on to AWS, who had one announcement I thought was worthy of our discussion, uh, which isn't that really that worthy, but uh, the Epic processors have come to HPC. So if you're one of the you know 50 companies that need a real true HPC 7a instance cluster type for HPC workloads, uh, which you're probably not, you're probably just bastardizing it for AI and ML at this point uh that's not available to you. <laughs> uh all of the four configurations of this server are the same price, so I don't really know why you would just pick the biggest one, but it's $7.20 an hour or 52.56 uh a month in costs for AWS uh HPC7a instances. Yeah, so big servers low latency HPC for the win.
0: Hmm. I guess they I guess the same price for all the instance sizes kind of indicates that they're not multi-tenant at that point. So you, you get a portion of a
2: They're not shared. Maybe
0: they do that for licensing. So you can only pay for 24 CPU licenses for your expensive database instead of uh,
2: 96. I couldn't for the life of me figure out a real real reason to do that. And you just answered it. (laughs) I was like, that's a bug. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
1: Well, it's uh, that was it for AWS, like I said. So let's move on to Google. Google's gearing up for Google Next, which is next week, or as soon as this episode drops, pretty much it's either going to be in the middle of Google Next or right the day before. Uh, and Richard Sor- uh, soroder who is basically a Devrel uh, at Google Cloud, uh, had a great blog post of kind of things you should check out based on what your your persona is. Uh, and so, you know, of course, he highlighted the opening keynote as something you should probably go check out. Uh, You know, which, of course, why not? Uh, that's what we go for. And then, uh, you know, he breaks it down from there into all of the different types of things. So if you're a developer, there's some really great classes. He calls out for what's next for application developers. Talks about Duet AI, which I think is their code, you know, thing like GitHub Copilot. Uh, Cloud Run and GKE for faster application development. Always good topics. Uh, six great topics on AI from foundational models to understanding how foundational models are evolving and data governance and business implications inside of that. And then if you're looking for those DevOps uh, needs to automate your way your toil, there's some great uh, sessions. One of those I kind of struck my fancy was uh, build an ops platform at enterprise scale with Google Cloud, uh, which apparently is a Google and Uber uh, session, which uh, anything that isn't a fuzzy, pro- fuzzy product uh, named solution that I can use for open source, I would be interested in for that. <laughs> and then of course, if you just want to geek out on some nerdy stuff, there's uh, great courses like performance optimizations for Java apps. I might just go to that just to get a good nap in. Uh, and then uh you know there's some good stuff on Google Spanner under the hood, etc. But do anything in this list uh, strike your guys' fancy that I didn't mention?
2: Um I mean there was the the there's prompt engineering, which I thought was an interesting one just because it's topical. Um and then, you know, I'm always what's next for application developers. I think that, you know, Google is well positioned to to have a good topic there. So I'm looking forward to that.
0: I'm always curious to learn about how things work under the hood. So the, the spanner one might be, uh, maybe interesting. The prompt engineering one's kind of interesting too, but having played around with GPT for however many months now, I've I realized that prompt engineering really is just a measure of, uh, whether you've got to explain what you actually want. So I think everyone should be a good prompt engineer, whether they're using AI or not.
1: I'll work on
2: it, Jonathan. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, you've seen my user stories. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not easy. Hard to do for some of us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, the high performance features engineering for predictive and generative AI using Vertex. I, I would like to learn a little bit more about Vertex. I might check that one out too. Uh, might be worth out. I saw it as I was scanning through the list here as Jonathan was talking. All right. Well, other uh, there, you know, once was a young product manager who was hired by Google and given a task so important and with a deadline of Google Next to only then be found out the week before that your product was not worthy of main stage. And that product manager pushed that product out the door. And that product is Google is launching the Transparency Center, a central hub for you to learn more about product policies. The Transparency Center collects existing resources and policies and was designed with you in mind, providing easy access to information on our policies, how we create and enforce them, and much, much more, including policy development process, policies by each product and or service. You can see if they're using your data to train their models, uh, reporting and appeals tools. Transparency reports and Google's principles for privacy and AI. I'll be found at the new Transparency Center. And uh, whoever you are out there, product manager, who did good, good job.
2: I'm sorry, you won't be talking at Google next. <laughs> I mean, as the owner of the cloud platform, that's constantly having to fetch like the attestation for compliance of the of the cloud providers. Like, I love this service. <laughs> like, here's a one stop shop for the person who has no understanding of our workload, but they understand policy.
0: Thank you very much. Indeed. It is nice that one place to go to find the information out there.
2: I, uh, and permission. Like, that's always a big one. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. <laughs> how do you, <laughs>
2: like, oh, how do you give this person access data? Uh, crap. That's a little annoying
1: about the uh, the Amazon version of this, which has a dumb name. <laughs> I don't remember what it's called on top of my head, but uh,
2: Artifact something, something. Yeah, you, know, you have to have an IAM account to get to it. <laughs>
1: So it's like, oh, so close. The mm-hmm. <laughs> my compliance, people have Amazon
0: accounts. Exactly. So give them those. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- th- I think this is going to be very useful for like, basically like NFRs for products that integrate with Google because there are some very specific policies uh, around the usage of YouTube APIs and things like that, which I'm playing around with at the moment for some th- some tools. And um, actually having it laid out very clearly exactly what you must, must do, shouldn't do, can't do is, is super useful. Have you been waiting months and months to hire your new AWS GCP Azure Architect only to have them be poached at the 11th hour by a startup with a juice bar? Initiative stalled because you're having trouble hiring? Well, I have a simple solution, Falcon Consulting. Falcon Consulting provides top-notch cloud engineers to the world's most innovative companies and can be burning down your DevOps and cloud backlogs as soon as next week foghorn certified AWS, GCP and Azure professionals are armed with infrastructure as code and from day one will be designing performant, optimised cloud native or hybrid environments that deliver on the promise of cloud. Their FogOps solution even provides on-demand cloud engineering to augment your existing teams. Visit www.foghornconsulting.com or send an email to cloudtalentnow at foghornconsulting.com and tell them the CloudPod sent you. Your dedicated FogOps team is with you for the long haul and they bring their own juice.
1: All right, well, uh, we had two predictions because it's our tradition here. Uh, I will say that this was difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mostly because Google's been kind of quiet actually for the last several months. Uh, Not a lot of announcements. They haven't really strategically aligned with uh, what they are going to do or what they're doing. At least I haven't had those conversations um, to really know much to what to predict? So, uh, in the fairness of that, we said we're going to cut it down to two each instead of the traditional three. <laughs> and then Ryan cheated and rolled an eleven uh, on the dice, so he gets to go first. And so, uh, you know, as our game <laughs> goes, the idea here is that you are going to predict something that's going to be talked about on the main stage at the main keynote on Tuesday morning. Uh, and if your item gets hit, you get a point, and whoever has the most points wins at the end of this. Matt is not here, but he did send along his predictions. Uh, so if Ryan, Jonathan, or I have that prediction and uh, it's on Matt's list, we'll give him a plus one uh, for that item. He will not get a point for those. And if he has something on his list that none of us talked about, then he can get points for those. But that's the penalty, Matt, for not being here.
2: And I'm not sorry. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. At least it's not work, which is our general policy.
0: How dare he enjoy day night with his wife.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs>
1: All right, Ryan. So that puts you on the board with the
2: first pick. Well, I am going to use my draft position and uh, pick a generative AI prediction. <laughs> um, just because I know that you guys will hem and haw if I don't make it more specific than that. Um, I'm going to say that it's generative AI, but specifically surrounding um, finance practice and cost management. Which is as specific as I'm willing to go with my my cool role. That's
1: not a terrible prediction. I, uh, <laughs> you've impressed me with your sleuthing abilities. <laughs> all right, Jonathan, you're on the board.
0: Uh, TPU v5. It's been a couple of years since v4 came out. It's all, in the, it's all uh, the rage. I think it's... It's time. I know it's been in uh, like limited access or beta recently, and I think now's the time. What was it? Again, I missed it. TPU v5. They're, they you know they're supercomputer in a box ah yes
1: super computer in a box it has been a while since they came out before so but
0: oh, that, that's uh,
1: that's a reasonable guess I think uh, I am going to predict that they are going to general available the Google Bard in Google Workspaces uh, as my first pick
0: yeah okay. that's that's solid I I mean I, how how not available is it today? I mean, is it is it available to everyone? But they're calling it limited or beta or
1: so. It's been it's you had to request access to it. Uh, I would say it's limited preview right now. Uh, they're not being very picky at this point to uh, get you into the beta, but it's not general available. And I I feel they're gonna do uh, something around it. I mean, if you if you wanted me to be more pedantic and more pessimistic about it, I would say maybe we'll see a new a new generation of the LLM around it. But I'm not gonna take that cause Okay. To it to spaces with GA. and that takes us back to Ryan once again
2: uh, and this is where you can see me struggle for predictions um, I, I really had difficulty trying to find even a second one and so my prediction um, is that they are going to announce a networking feature that only supports IPv6 Oh, well,
1: that's very specific mm-hmm. Jonathan your second pick
0: My second pick is that the new generative BARD-like technology will see further integration into things like contact center AI or retail AI to improve their natural language abilities and, um, you know, further reduce the reliance on already low paid call center workers.
1: Oh, that's a that's very capitalistic of you as well. Generative AI (laughs) for contact center, and what was the second part? Sorry,
0: contact center, and or retail AI. Retail AI. All right. Great. Uh, Now I'm
1: sort of scraping the bottom here, and so uh, I decided to go on the negative side pick for my second pick, Uh, and I'm gonna say they're not gonna announce anything new.
2: (laughs) One dollar.
1: Uh, and I'm going to go with that because uh, I was looking at the last two years of Google Cloud Next and they didn't really announce anything on main stage for either of those two next. And, you know, so the question is, have they truly turned Google Next into a just a learning conference where they don't feel that making announcements make sense, uh, which I would be shocked about. Um, mm-hmm. Or are they, you know, or it was just sort of a pandemic thing and they felt like it wasn't appropriate for the virtual sessions and it was just easier to just release press releases during the event. And people will get the same coverage and news about it that way. In my opinion, this is probably a dud pick, because I think you, you can't have an in-person conference of this size and not announce something on main stage. I think that would be a mistake. But I'm gonna take it anyways, cause maybe I'm wrong.
0: That's funny. I'm gonna let you into a into a secret now. I did have I was I was hoping for TPU V five because you know it's kind of in line with their product cycle for that uh, product. But to generate my predictions. I asked Bard to pretend it was twenty twenty four and looking back, what were the most important announcements of Google Next from 2023? <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. In the hopes. In the hopes that maybe some training material had been used which included yeah. some internal documentation or I or trolled the website which isn't public yet or stuff like that. So we'll see. <laughs>
2: ah, hey. That's just That's good it. tactics, man. I can't even fault you for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try to squeeze the accounting, but they were very unhelpful. <laughs>
2: <laughs> something, something NDA. <laughs> yeah, they, they
1: they unfortunately mentioned something to me that I probably would have guessed, uh, but I was like, oh, you mentioned it to me now, I can't predict it. So it's a, you know my own personal ethics. I can't talk about what I do know. <laughs> Sometimes these things, so you have to be careful. Uh, but Matt, uh, you know, he had four picks that he sent to us. Um, and I, the first one was barred as commercialized like Azure for chat GPT, which is like an API for that. Um, I will write it down. I think it's, uh, by API Bard by API is this first one. Uh, and then he had three other choices. So he only gets picked one of these. So you guys can choose which one you think he has the least likelihood of getting a point for. And then we'll just <laughs> put that one in. <laughs> so, uh, the second one was uh, announcement that they gain market share by at least 5%. Uh, additional security tooling for CI/CD, hmm. and some sort of competitor for AWS Lattice.
2: Hmm. I think that you know, it, typically I get zero points in my prediction, so I should pick the one I think is most likely to be announced, which is the least likely to be announced, right?
1: <laughs> I mean, that's that's like. Well, I knew that she knew, so I knew that I was going to, you know, that's that, that game. So I, I mean, you can go down that path if you want to.
2: Yeah. So my vote is for security tooling around CI/CD.
1: I sort of like that one too, because that one gives me a little. I'm like, oh, that'd be nice if they did that, but also they're yeah, yeah.
2: never going to do that.
1: So yeah.
2: that's sort of where <laughs> so I was going. Of like,
1: I kinda, yeah.
0: All right, well, Jonathan, are you in agreement on that one, or do you have another one you like better? Uh, I don't think any of those can be announced. Maybe we should give ourselves yeah. well, extra points for, for predicting that, that he was wrong.
1: See, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so again, this is why you need to be here.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: competitor. I am, I'm putting Murphy's in gray. So we'll document them for posterity's sake, but he'll get no points for them.
0: The, the Bard via API, I might throw him a bone a little bit and say Bard is what they call the, the offering they have today. I don't think they'd call it Bard. If it was integrated with, with I
1: hope not. I mean that, honestly, I hope they don't call it Bard.
0: So it's I'm, I'm terrible maybe, name. Maybe we'll be be nice to Matt and say a large language model available via API rather than Bard specifically.
2: I'd I'd much rather argue that if he get if, if there's close to that and then not give him the point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm also okay with that as well. I like I like Ryan's idea better. Hey, like, we're gonna need all the help we're gonna get if someone's gonna win this competition this time because, like, we haven't seen a Google Next in years in person, so who knows what we're gonna get? Should be uh, should be COVID, confident.
0: probably, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's, a, that's a possibility. Oh, hell, I could have had that was one of my predictions, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good.
1: <laughs> uh, all right, <laughs> so for a tie tiebreaker on this, yeah, <laughs> who's the one who's gonna get COVID now? No, uh so the uh, the tiebreaker always is how many announcements were made on main stage. Uh, and uh, so this is a reverse order. So Matt's but not you, here. so You've
2: ruined it. You've already selected zero. You
1: can't get two. I, I did. But if yeah. you know if it's one and I say one now, then I would. you know This is the price of the right rule. So yeah, you're right. One <laughs> would be the right answer. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go with six. So this is in reverse order. And Matt's not here. Uh, and then if Matt is tied, he just loses by default because he wasn't here. Uh, yeah. Jonathan, what how many do you think are going to be?
0: New new products or new features of products or both.
1: Both. It was announced on main stage. Either it's a new feature or a new product. I don't care. It was on main stage. Yeah. Nine.
2: Nine. All right. And Ryan. One. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> Got all the all the spots. Okay.
1: Well, that's uh. We'll see how we do next week. We'll either be killing these segment altogether because we're no longer good at it. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll never speak about prediction shows. I think again.
2: The fun, part of the fun is that we're so terrible <laughs> at these. <laughs> I
1: mean that's kinda of why it's fun in my opinion. Like if we hit one, we're like, yes, we hit it. Or like yeah. or we had to justify how this thing that's like sort of like sort of parallel or sort of like an edge case of what we had as our idea, be like, oh see, that's related to the same thing, and then we argue about it. Mm-hmm.
0: Really, really but when out. we lose, I I think it's more a reflection that the the uh the, the cloud providers aren't listening to what we want. I think that's absolutely right. Want. If they
2: were more customer obsessed, obviously.
1: <laughs> so you know, I, I was you know with with AWS, it's a little bit easier to do these vision shows because they do listen to their customers, and so if you kind of keep an, a, a pulse on what's happening out in the market, you can kind of come to an answer on this pretty quickly um, of some good ideas that seem reasonable. The problem with Google is they don't listen to anybody but themselves, <laughs> and so. You know, like what I really would like from Google to announce at Google Next is like, Hey, we're going to start investing in higher level services, uh, and more managed services. Like, Hey, a Kafka for Google cloud, uh, competitor. I'd love to have that. I'd love to have, um, you know, some other, uh, GraphQL type options. They don't have today. I would love to have, um, you know, other security managed services they don't have beyond DLP, which is nice. They do have that one, but, uh, (laughs) you know, like there's a lot of managed services and things that I would like that. Amazon has like I'd love an SFTP solution. Uh, That'd be great. I'd love it. I'd use it right away. Um, These are all things that I just don't have any hope that Google will actually do.
2: In my research for this, I went. I was going through the the Google Bug Tracker, um, as their feature requests are publicly accessible. Um, And I so I, I compiled a list of like just gripes that are just basics that you know I think they should have, and I'm surprised they don't. You know, like there's, you know, there's the uh, ability to move around floating IPs between compute instances, there's labels and label inheritance across, you know, attached disks and other um, sort of VM components, like just stuff that's been around for a long time. That's makes just ease of use a big deal. Um, the, and the other notable one I had was Apex records for cloud DNS so that you could actually have CNAME-like behavior for the, the root of your DNS domain.
0: Ah, uh, Yeah, that'd be nice. Oh, wait, yeah. We should have like an, an honorable mention section like we usually do. I, if, we do you know, if we were going to do that, I think um, uh, V5 of the Google Terraform provider. Hmm. Hmm.
1: Interesting. All right, well, then our final story for this week, uh, because we're all going to go drink heavily probably. (laughs) And sleep. And our final story comes from Azure this week with the uh, Azure Blob Storage Cold tier now in generally available. Uh, I always thought Blobs were uh, cold. That was kind of my my assumption. That you know, you see the Blob movie and you're like, yeah, it looks like it would be cold. Uh, Azure Storage Cold tier, though, is an online tier specifically designed for efficiently storing data that is infrequently accessed or modified, all while ensuring immediately availability. The nice part about the cold tier is that it is least easy to use as the hot tier with all APIs, SDKs, Azure portals, PowerShell, CLI, and Storage Explorer supporting the cold tier natively. And I have a quote here from David Nyo, uh, Chief Technology Officer at Commvault. Commvault is committed to ensuring customers can take advantage of the latest advance of Azure Blob Storage for their enterprise data protection and management needs. We are proud to support cold tier as a storage option with Commvault Complete and our metallic SaaS offering later this year. That's nice. Appreciate that, David
2: so much worse when blobs are warm or hot.
1: Yeah, it would be disturbing, wouldn't
0: it? I have nothing interesting to say about storage.
1: (laughs) We we outdid storage last week at Storage Day.
2: (laughs) I think Jonathan's still mad at Windows. Yeah.
1: (laughs) All right, well, that's another fantastic week. We'll see you at Google Cloud Next. If we see you there, say hello. And uh, we will see Jonathan uh, back here next week to uh, see how we did with hopefully Matt. Yep. Yeah. See you later. Bye, everybody. See ya. And that is The Week in Cloud. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Foghorn Consulting. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and tweet us your feedback at hashtag theCloudPod Or join our Slack channel. Go to our website, thecloudpod.net, for sign-up instructions.